Welcome to the Excellence in Education podcast by William Clarence Education, the UK's leading education consultancy. We help families from around the world navigate the UK education system and support the best possible applications for nurseries, schools and universities. In this podcast series, we will be talking to leading educational figures and advisors to discuss the issues that matter most, helping you fully understand the options and possibilities that may lie ahead. For more information on anything discussed today, and to find out more on how we can help you, please visit our website, williamclarence.com. Right, let's get started. Today I'd like to welcome Rebecca Dowbig into our podcast. Rebecca is a specialist higher education consultant with a particular focus on Oxford, Cambridge, medicine, law and engineering applications. Welcome, Rebecca. Hello. Hi, Steve. Uh, good to have you here today. Thanks for taking some time out with us. Um, today we'll be looking to discuss Oxford and Cambridge University applications in particular. And I know it's a very complex process and impossible to condense really into a 20-minute podcast. Um, but hopefully you can help give some pearls of wisdom to our readers and listeners and um, break down some of the core aspects of the application for us. Um, so to get started, um, let's start with um, a common question we get at the beginning of most applications is why is Oxford and Cambridge um, so internationally respected and, and recognised amongst most students who are looking to come into the UK, they'll consider Oxford and Cambridge? I think um, Oxford and Cambridge, both universities, they've got an outstanding global reputation for teaching, research, and for the contributions that they make to our national and international society. So they combine what I would say would be a rich history and tradition of higher education. Um, So they've got the heritage, but they are also extremely innovative, uh, forward-thinking, and they've got a a great reputation for research and academic excellence. So in that sense, they're world-leading, and they have and they continue to make lasting contributions to society. So I think, I think that really is the thing that attracts people internationally yeah. to, to come and study there. Um, I think academic excellence. So Oxford and Cambridge, they're consistently ranked um, at the top of their international league tables for quality of teaching, uh, the offers that they have for undergraduate and postgraduate courses across all the disciplines. So the arts, social sciences, science, engineering, medical sciences. um, And that does fundamentally come down to the teaching. So the teaching staff include many national, world subject leaders, as well as lecturers, um, those who visit to um, give seminars and practicals. So we hear a lot about the teaching style of Oxford and Cambridge and how unique that is. Could you explain a little bit more about how that looks within both? Absolutely. So both Cambridge and Oxford, uh, their teaching staff, they include many national and world subject leaders who deliver, as, as would be the case at most universities, lectures, seminars and practicals for subjects for which practical is necessary. So sciences or medical sciences, engineering. But the thing that's more unique about Oxford and Cambridge is that students receive a more personal tuition through what are termed as the supervision and tutorial systems. So at Cambridge, uh, there are small classes that students partake in uh, There can be students between two to eight students in a class and they will be termed a supervision. And at Oxford, they will be termed a tutorial. 
And within these supervisions and tutorials, students are given a more direct access to their fellows, to their lecturers, and they discuss perhaps a specific essay title, a specific set of questions. They might address an issue within a subject and they have more of a conversation. It's more of a dialogue rather than a lecture that is presented to a student. A more so of a it, personal experience. Yeah, definitely. And it provides the opportunity for students to ask questions that are, are relevant to them. It helps them develop their own personal understanding, but also contribute to debate and discussion, mm. um, especially when um, you're looking at arguing a point mm, or yeah. negotiating through that issue. You have that bounce back from not only your peers... Yeah. Um, but also your your fellows and your your teachers. Um, so that that is, I would say, very unique. Um, Do you think that um, framework of learning and the learning style really contributes to um, some of the reasons why Oxford and Cambridge are so desirable? And does it add to that unique experience of life at Oxford or Cambridge? Very much so. I, every student that um, goes to either Oxford or Cambridge, they are designated their own personal tutor for their for the academic side of their time at university so that would be a director of studies for example um of course Oxford and Cambridge are collegiate I know that's something we'll talk about later um but the the academic staff you are assigned to somebody that is that is responsible for you and your development and that makes such a difference because they have regular feedback from members of academic staff who you undertake your supervisions or tutorials with. And it's a very personal way of learning. Um, and that's yeah. combined, obviously, with that great welfare and support system where you have your own personal pastoral tutor. Yeah. So there isn't that sort of distance between the student and the teacher. Yeah, yeah. Good point. And I think... You touched on a point there that would be really good to expand on the college um, situation within both of them. And it's not quite as simple as applying for Oxford or Cambridge. Um, Could you go through a little bit more of that collegiate system and how that works in practice and why it's so unique? Yeah, so both Oxford and Cambridge are what we call collegiate universities. So that means that they comprise various faculties and departments in different academic subjects and a number of colleges. So uh, when you apply for Oxford or Cambridge, you apply to study a subject or a number of subjects. Um, and that depends on whether you're taking a single honours course or, or a joint honours course or a course that encapsulates a number of subjects within one heading, such as the natural sciences. But you also apply for a specific college or indeed you make an open application to apply to many colleges. So what a college is, it's more of a community So students join a community of their peers. They live within their college community. Uh, You can socialise within your college community and with the wider university community, but it almost breaks the university down into smaller subunits. So there are college and university-wide facilities. You have teaching at both college level and university level, but all students are members of their own academic faculty. So again, it's just another way of making the experience within what is a large university personal and smaller. Um, Excellent, yeah. So that research process um, could be pretty significant within the application to make sure all of those different variables um, are properly researched to arrive at the right choice. 
Absolutely. You have, I think the main thing from, from the research process, and this is something that we do take a lot of time with in our consultations, is really narrowing down subject choice. So if, of course, you're looking at Oxford or Cambridge, the courses are different between those universities. So the first thing we would look at is really looking at the course to suit the students. So the thing that's the most important for any Oxbridge application is passion and enthusiasm for your subject. So we would look to find the course that most fit a student's enthusiasm, interests, mm. passions, that, that really fits them. And you go course and faculty-led first, and then we'd look at the collegiate side of the application. So deciding what college would be the best fit. Um, not all colleges offer all subjects. Um, the application process for each subject within each college is different slightly. Yeah. So that, yeah, that application process is multifaceted. Um, and it's a step-by-step process that we would undertake. I guess that leads us nicely on to that application process. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about that. Um, firstly, how does it differ from a normal university application? Um, because that is probably how most um, both domestic students and international students initially starting their research would, would see it. And uh, what are those differences? Um, and then the key elements of the Oxbridge application that um, really do need to be considered. I think um, the first thing to say is you cannot apply for both Oxford and Cambridge. You do have to make that initial choice, but you apply for either or through UCAS, which is the standard system for all UK university applications. Uh, the difference, uh, it comes down to the amount of information that you supply and the additional testing that you have to undergo so as with any university application for the UK you submit a 4,000 character 500 word personal statement and that forms part of your UCAS application Um, and then you would also have uh, interviews Um, you would have a subject specific interviews and you would have a more general interview Uh, Oxford and Cambridge for most subjects you will also sit an admissions test So depending on your subject, uh, that would either be set on the day of your interview or it would be sat in advance. Um, So we have our personal statement, our interviews, our admissions tests. um, And you might, depending on what college you apply to, you may have to submit some supplementary essays or some supplementary answers to some questions. So the process... For most university applications in the UK, you would submit just the personal statement and you may or may not be invited to interview. Um, Cambridge and Oxford, it's the testing that is probably more extensive and the interview process is more extended. Rather than just having one interview, you would have a number. Okay. So there's added layers to that application process that a normal university wouldn't have. Um, So the interview sounds like a crucial element of that um if people haven't gone through that before how can people um a learn more about it and actually prepare for it the interview process it is extensive and it does vary from subject to subject i it's becoming more common now for students to have more than one what i would term academic interview so they normally would meet the director of studies of the college uh, that they've applied to so if i was applying for say biological natural science at Cambridge 
I would have one interview with the director of biological natural sciences of the college that I was applying to. And then I might have a secondary academic interview with another fellow in maybe a slightly different academic area. So in preparing for that interview, obviously it's imperative that you are very widely read in the subject that you're looking to apply to, that you can evidence that going beyond the syllabus, going beyond your school curriculum. So the first thing I would say to any student looking to prepare for interview is show your enthusiasm, show your interest, have completed that wider reading, have engaged with your subject because you want to have something to give in that interview. So, Rebecca, you mentioned that part of the application, there are additional layers and two of those being tests and interviews. Could you expand a bit more on um, what to expect, but also how to prepare on both of those sides? So, yes. So both Oxford and Cambridge interviews, they do vary from subject to subject and from college to college. Um, And obviously, each college and university, you will be sent out detailed information and advice about interviews, explaining what to expect in the format and what is expected of you when you are invited to interview. Um, but normally there, there is that set of preparation you can do mm. even further ahead of receiving that in- information. So the thing to remember is what the interviewers are looking for. So the main focus of any Oxbridge interview is to explore a candidate's academic potential, their mm. motivation and their suitability for that, that chosen course. So questions are specifically designed to do a number of things. So candidates might be tested on their problem-solving abilities, the way that they assimilate new ideas and information, their analytical uh, reasoning, their intellectual flexibility. So it is important for for students and candidates to remember that even though you're being tested on your subject knowledge, really it's, it's to show your capability of thinking for yourself, to show how you can apply your existing knowledge yeah. and how you can think more laterally and approach unfamiliar questions. So the preparation that you can do, it's engaging in that wider reading, it's having the engagement in your subject, but also developing your thinking. Mm. Um, so it's an element of that interview thinking on your feet as well as um, laterally thinking around a problem in the heat of the moment rather than having a pre-prepared answer. Yeah, it was, I, I've got to say, it will be impos- impossible for you to prepare in advance and, and regurgitate a, a practised answer. Okay. So that's one thing I'd really discourage students from doing. So really, it's more practising speaking to people, engage with your peers, engage with your teachers, practice debating and negotiating topics Mm. um, because that's what you'll be doing for the three four years that you are studying Oxford or Cambridge so they're looking for informed enthusiasm and that ability to think independently and it it will be challenging interviews they are challenging um, and the thing is to not panic Okay. You don't immediately have to answer a question, yeah. but it's not preparation. You can prepare and become more comfortable in that situation. So okay. something that I enjoy very much, one of my favourite um, parts of the year is when I prepare students um, for their interview. And we prep for a number of weeks. Mm. We complete a number of mock interviews. And and it's not something that's it's not very sanitised. We 
it's not just a backward, backward and yeah. forward, a question answer. We engage in that discussion and I read lots of material that my students read. We chat about the books that they've read and it's that getting comfortable um, yeah. applying your knowledge. There are no right or wrong answers to most of the questions. Um, okay, great. Yeah. Uh, so then in terms of approaching that process, um, I know one very popular question explains two bits here um how long in advance do people need to start thinking about applying and starting that process and more to the point is the process the same for every single course or are some courses arguably easier to get onto than others yes that's that's definitely a a a question that i get asked very frequently so i would say the earlier you can start thinking and prepping, the better, because the process is so multifaceted. It depends how long you, a student, would personally want to spend preparing for interview or preparing for those admissions tests. Um, for example, for if I took a engineering, for example, or a science subject, you will have to sit a pre-admissions test, and it may be that you are applying for biological sciences but there's an element of the application process that requires you sit a test in maths maths may not be your strongest subject but you may have to reach a level of maths in order to embark on the course so there will be areas of that subject specific test prep that's more difficult for some students than others Um, and they may you may need to revise it is it it's really a personal choice of, of how much prep you want to undertake, but you can never undertake too much prep. But it should be something that's enjoyable. Mm. The thing that I always say to students when they apply to Oxford and Cambridge, you learn so much from the journey of applying. Yeah. Use the opportunity to explore your subject. It's, it's almost like you're getting that advanced period of time where you can engage in what you're going to study earlier on. Yeah. Obviously, it's more difficult because you're studying for your IB or your A-levels, but the process itself should be enjoyable. You should evolve through it and you want to give yourself enough time. Some subjects, um, so for something like medicine, obviously, you're going to have to do a much greater amount of preparation. Hmm. Not only will you have to prep for admissions tests and interviews, you will have to evidence a lot of work experience. So... For subjects that require work experience, be they in engineering, medicine, even law, you want to have that time to have the experiences in order to include information about that in your personal statement. So one thing I I discourage students from doing is accruing experience for the sake of accruing experience. You want to learn something from the experiences you're embarking on and that's something that admissions tutors are looking for. So quality over quantity. Yeah, definitely. And you want to learn from that experience and take the time to process it and assimilate what you've learned and let that inform what you do next. So don't read thousands of books and take nothing from them. Mm. So really investigate what interests you, learn from your reading and let that inform what lecture course you attend, let that inform your work experience complete your work experience and then think, oh, I'm going to investigate that through more wider reading. So the more time you have, the more of that sort of complex network you can build. Yeah, Um, makes sense, makes sense. Yeah, I've also known students start their application in one field. They think they're going to apply for one subject. And by the time they've 
got to writing their personal statement, they've realized that their interest lies elsewhere. They've completely changed their subject choice and they've had that time to do that. So by the time they press send or submit on their application, they know that they're really, really applying for what they want. Excellent. Okay. Uh, really fantastic insights there. Um, so to, to finish off with, um, I think it'd be really useful just to pick on any maybe top tips or any common mistakes or misconceptions that um, candidates sometimes have who aren't experienced with the process that you would say to really be a bear in mind prior to getting started? I think with Oxford and Cambridge, I think it's try not to underestimate the application process. It's not something you can leave to the last minute. I know I've expanded on why it's good to start in advance, but I do sometimes have students approach me on, say, the 1st of October, and the deadline is the 15th of October. You really don't want to find yourself in that position because there are so many decisions to be made before you submit the application. That doesn't mean to say that applicants who make the decision late can't submit a really excellent application, um, but I think give yourself that time. I think, I think as well, some students are afraid of making an application. Mm. Um, they, they're almost in fear of the reputation of Oxford and Cambridge and they're yeah. not sure it's for them. I'd say definitely investigate it. So um, students who are self-disciplined, motivated, committed, they've got the desire and potential to go what, beyond what they've learned at school if they have that attitude and the good attitude, it's definitely worth investigating. Don't think, don't automatically write yourself off if you don't have the confidence yeah. because that's something that can be built throughout the application process. Um, okay, great. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for that um, time this afternoon to take us through all of that. Really valuable. And um, I think um, next time I'll be, I'll be looking forward to going through some of the specifics of the interview, some of the testing, um, and then broadening that out to law and engineering specific applications. But thank you for today. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. Nice to talk to you, Steve. Thank you for listening. That was the Excellence in Education podcast by William Clarence Education. For more information on how we can help you or your family or any of the points discussed today, along with all the latest news and views on UK education, please head to the website at www.williamclarence.com.